A pleasant good morning to everyone and welcome to another edition of the Carlos Brown Show. Heard and watched exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Yours truly, Carlos Brown. Coming up on today's show, my guest menu looks like this. In our number one, he's co-host of the Jaguar Journal, local sports talk show in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. His name is Perry White. He'll join me in our number one. Uh, following Perry White will be Tom Hofer. He is the uh, color analyst, or we'll simply just say a member of the McNeese State Football Radio Network. He'll join me in our number one. Then in our number two, we'll switch gears a little bit, and I'll visit with Brandon B.J. Jones of HBCU Football. He'll join me too. Then last but not least, Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State Radio Network. That's the guest menu for today's edition of the Carlos Brown Show. Well, for Southern University, quite simply, it was a game of two halves last week. The Jaguars even their record to one and one on the season with a 41 to 24 victory over Miles College. Now, the Jaguars uh, trail at halftime, a 17 to 13. And let me just say this. In, in this business, you have to give credit what credit is due. And Miles College, they were very uh, well-coached football team. They were physical. When you look at their program, uh, defending champions in the SIAC, Coach Ruffin has done it the right way. He's built this program from the bottom to the top. Before coming into Baton Rouge, they were in Montgomery, Alabama, and uh, they lost the game in overtime. So it was a well-respected opponent in Miles. And they were able to physically hold their own against Southern University, their offensive line against Southern's defensive line. Now, defensively, the Jaguars still have to work on some things as far as tackling, tackling in space. That is going to be huge going into today's ball game against McNeese State. But the Jaguars uh, trailed at, at the half, 17 to 13. But then in the second half, uh, Coach Rollins and his staff, they made adjustments. They wanted to go back to their identity, and that is being a physical running the football. The Jaguars outscored uh, Miles College 28 to 7 in the second half. So you see the jumps being made. But I, I know some of you in the Jaguar Nation, you're kind of concerned because, you know, we talked about it the week prior that you have to. Uh, respect your opponent, and, and it was not going to be a, a pushover playing Miles College, but they came out and they were able to do some things against the Jaguars. Now, it sets the tone for today's ball game. The Jaguars have played up in game one. Game two, they played down a division. Now, this game, and I've said this from uh, from the early summer, late summer, midsummer that Southern and McNeese, to me, this is a benchmark game. This is a game that you're playing on the FCS level. Now you're hoping to have uh, ironed out all of the kinks. I know there are some still some injury issues. Who will start at quarterback uh, for Southern University? Uh, does Skelton get the start? How healthy he is? Um, Glenn McDaniels did an outstanding job. Uh, for Southern University last week, he was efficient. He was a, able to uh, put the ball 
in spots where receivers could catch it and make things happen after the catch, run after the catch. So we're going to see what happens as far as Southern and McNeese. This is, to me, in my humble opinion, is a benchmark game. But let's go back a little bit. Uh, Southern and, and Miles, again, Southern, uh, 41-24 victory over Miles College to even their record 1-1 one one on the season. Miles, pretty good team, 0-2, and two, but they played uh, um, their two football games. For the Jaguars, net yards rushing, they came up, particularly in the second half, and showed who they were. Uh, 323 yards rushing to 175 for Miles. Net yards passing, Miles 227 yards. And to me, Miles had shown in the previous game that their bread and butter was running the football. But they were able to come out and pass, and they were really truly balanced, which I love to see uh, from a football team. You know, pass to run ratio, how well you run it and how well you throw it. To me, it's much harder to defend a team that is balanced. So Miles was able to do that. Miles with total offense, 402 yards, 461 total yards for Southern University. Now, penalties, both teams had a lot of penalties. Uh, Miles, nine penalties for 62 yards. Southern, seven penalties for 79 yards. So you want to see Southern clean that up uh, a good bit, particularly in a, in, in a game that you're now evenly matched. You know, FCS to FCS, a non-conference game. And we're going to talk about that as well as, you know, a lot of teams are playing up in those money games. We kind of got into that last week. Uh, but uh, Jaguars lost the time of possession. Miles College, 33 minutes and 31 seconds. Jaguars, 26 minutes and 29 seconds. On third down, Miles were able to stay on the field. Southern's defense couldn't quite get out the field third down. Miles, 8 of 14, and the Jaguars were 4 of, of 7. So you kind of can see how the statistical story is going a lot closer statistically-wise than the score. Uh, for Southern, at the individual standpoint, uh, Glenn McDonald uh, was 11 of 15, very efficient, 138 yards. And then Craig Nelson, transfer player, out of Miami, Florida, Booker T. Washington High School, transferred in from the University of Indiana, uh, had a breakout game. Um, eight carries for 134 yards. His longest rush was a 68-yard touchdown. Devon Ben, 13 carries, 69 yards. Kobe Dillon, and let's see how Kobe, if he continue to add something to this um, ball club, he touched the ball. He he has the it factor. He gets it. A former quarterback, Faraday High School in Faraday, Louisiana. I thought he brought in some quickness, and he attacks when he gets the ball. You, you got to find ways to get him more involved and get him in space. But um, Kobe Dillon, Dillon, six carries for 57 yards. Now receiving, McLean, Marquise McLean, uh, two receptions for 49 yards. Uh, Ethan Howard, three for 40 and Jamar Washington, three for 27. So I, I kind of heard from a lot of people on social media, and they look forward to this game, but there are some concerns. We talk about 
this as a benchmark game, and it really is, because uh, Southern and the Southland, if you look at McNeese, that lost, I think something like 14-0 in games against the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And then the last time they played 2019 to open the season, the Jaguars fell 34-28. to But if you simply look at that ball game, Southern put themselves in a hole with just costly turnovers, six, you know, um, of punt, uh, penalties. And actually in this ball game, Southern was leading twice by seven points, but they were not able to get any closer. Two touchdowns in a five-minute period made the score closer, 34 to 28. Now, um, they played um, how many times? Three times. This will be the third time that they're uh, playing um, Jaguars uh, zero and two against Big Knee State. So when you look at this ball game, it's a benchmark. Southern can't look ahead, although then they start conference play uh, the following week for McNeese. This game is the last tune-up for their conference opener. How do you think this ball game will go today? What are some of your keys? You can uh, email me, thecolesbrownshow at gmail.com. Also, um, I've got the Coles Brown Show Facebook Messenger page open. Um, You can send me a comment, question uh, via that. So we'll try to incorporate some of those questions. I'm I'm very interested in seeing what you think about uh, today's matchup against McNeese State. Uh, A Southern, excuse me, a SWAC versus Southland matchup. And in the conference, these are the games that they have to start playing more and start winning. Kudos to all core state. They got it done last week against Northwestern State, 13 to 10. I mean, it was a struggle, but you, you have to give the Golden Star Award to all core state uh, defense. And, and speaking of all core, if you didn't get a chance to see the Fred McNair show, Coach McNair seems to be um, past the point that he's had. No strength and conditioning coach. They had to call off a Monday's practice, a Tuesday practice. And Coach McNair simply, and look, this is something just, it's nothing new. This went on late last year. This was one of the decisions from my sources why Alcorn State decided to opt out of the spring. You've got to have a strength and conditioning, training, trainers on staff. And Coach McNair just simply said, and I had a chance to talk with him um, at SWAC Media Day. It was a concern then. Coach McNair is a a private guy, but for him to come out on his show, and he's not going to sugarcoat it, he basically said it's an administration problem. He's going out doing the best that he can with the resources that he has. Hell, they're going out today. They're playing up against South Alabama. What, a $300,000 guarantee. So he's doing his point. Don't you think it's fair that the administration in Alcorn State and, and the athletic department needs to get the damn act together? And this guy needs the resources. Look at the success that they had. And quite simply, I don't think he's had it. And you will, I would not be shocked if Coach Monero decides to move on. 
And if he decides to do that, I don't think he'll be out of a job 10 days. He'll land somewhere. And hopefully he'll land somewhere where he can have the resources uh, to elevate the program where he lands at. But uh, that is just simply, simply, it's just horrible. It, it, it really is. But um, Alcorn got it done last week. Now we're going on the road, playing up against South Alabama, uh, FPS opponent. And if you, when we get into the schedule for week three, you'll see a lot of the teams are playing up. You have some FCS matchups. So week three is going to tell us a lot that we need to know about. Going to take a time out. And it has been a tough week for me personally, boy, under the weather all week. But hey, got to make adjustments. The show goes on. And so I'm going to take a time out. When I come back, I'm scheduled to join Perry White, co-host of the Jaguar Journal. Hopefully I'll have him next. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. I'll be for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, AD, Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. 
You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSM Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard, or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. HBCU lead pass. Watch your favorite black colleges. Some of the best players in the land. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show, broadcast live here on the Black College Sports Network. As we wait for my guest, Perry White, co-host of the Jaguar Journal, to join me, talk a little bit about Southern University and McNeese. Of course, there's a McNeese, a Southern connection, of course, with Southern head coach Jason Rollins, uh, actually uh, played his football career at McNeese State. Uh, coach there, and uh, Coach Arrow also played there in the Hall of Fame at McNeese State. That is a big connection. And, you know, and you look at um, Cameron Peterson, defensive tackle, played three years at uh, McNeese State, transferred into Southern University. So there are many connections. Frank Wilson, uh, the head football coach, 
uh, at McNeese State. Uh, he he knows Coach Washington, Coach Rollins, Coach Arrow. So these games, and I know some of you in the Jaguar Nation, you don't really like playing these type of games, but uh, for recruiting purposes, you win this ball game today, you really get a leg up. Recruiting-wise, you, you get a leg up. These are just important games. And, and if you want to win, and you, these games have a non-conference. Of course, yeah, you want to win in the conference. But this is a huge matchup uh, for Southern University. This is a benchmark game. Southern has played up, played down. Now they're playing a team on their level. This will let... Southern University know where they at, and to me, it sets the tone uh, for the rest of the season in the conference. We've talked about it for weeks. This team is built for a championship, but we can talk about it. You can read the press clippings, but you got to actually go out and, and get it done. And that's what Southern uh, has to do. The Pokes versus the Southwestern Athletic Conference, McNeese. This will be the 15th meeting for the Cowboys against a member of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. And they've posted a 14-0 and record. Um, and the last time, Southern Alcorn played 34-28. to And then Alcorn had a big victory over uh, McNeese, excuse me, had a big victory over Alcorn State previously in Larman, and then the same year in 2019 over Alcorn State. They're led by quarterback uh, Cody Ogeron. He's the son of LSU's head football coach, Coach O, as he's known around these parts. So it, it is going to be a game where, look, you can just put it in the record books. This is an important, an important game. Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to look for my guest and he's having trouble uh, logging in. Um, let's, let's do this, Roy. Let's, let's take uh, uh, unexpected time out and let's see if we can help uh, Perrin get in. We'll, we'll take another time out, folks. Be patient. I'll be right back. You're watching Carlos Brown. HBCU lead pass. Watch your favorite black colleges. Some of the best players in the land. HBCU lead pass. It's game time. I'm proud. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, 
offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. ...to these colleges, and we have to fund our kids in these colleges, and we have to make sure our kids have seats in these colleges. What about HBCUs? You mentioned Absolutely. You've got to fund them all, and you've got to make sure they're properly funded. You know, the real reason why I went after uh, Comcast and Charter, it didn't, even have, it didn't have anything to do with my cable networks. It didn't. What happened was uh, a gentleman wanted to do the Black College Sports Network mm-hmm. in partnership with the HBCUs, mm-hmm. and Comcast did not accept it. And that would have made a lot of money for these black colleges. Absolutely. And it would have educated the black college sports network. This is what he wanted to do. That would have educated a lot of black kids. And when they didn't do that, that's when I came off the bench and said, okay, I'm going to light you up like a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was the real reason why I got into it was when I saw what happened with the black college sports network, which I don't own. I just knew. Why that did you buy it? I just knew. I may. I just knew that these black. <laughs> I like that talk. All right. I knew that these black colleges were going to benefit and these black kids were going to get the education mm-hmm. that they deserved and not have to pay. And that- for two. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Carlos Brown Show. Watch exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. First guest of today's show, we got him in, Perry, Perry White, co-host of the Jaguar Journal. Perry, good morning. Welcome to the Carlos Brown Show for the first time. Good morning. My first time on here, man. And I can remember the first time I ever met you. We ran into each other. I don't know if you can remember at the Celebration Bowl in Atlanta. Do you remember that, we sir? On the elevator. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time coming. Now we've had a, finally had an opportunity to chop it up. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to it. And, yeah, I do remember that day. And, boy, it seems like every time in Atlanta, man, it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being in it was room, cold that day. I couldn't wait to get on the elevator, man, to get out there. <laughs> it, 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 it's really cold. And, and, you know, I'm older than you. So, I, to me, I felt it uh, much much more, but uh, talking about uh, this Southern game in McNeese. Before we do that, kind of get your thoughts on Southern and and Miles College. To me, Perry, I told the audience, uh, Miles a very respected program, and Coach Ruffin has done an outstanding job. And for half, they they took the fight to Southern University. Yeah, Miles came out. There's a reason why they've had much success in the CIAC, and. When you saw last week's score with Alabama State, in which it went into overtime, a block PAT, in which Alabama State won the game 14-13 against Miles, you had to wonder what was this team going to be like coming into Baton Rouge. And it had a lot of people guessing. When you see a team like a formidable opponent and Miles take another swack opponent to the wire and then you get Miles coming to Baton Rouge, and guess what? They had their way. They could run the ball. Uh, and for Southern, you saw Southern having a tough time making tackles. It just seemed like there was it, – it just wasn't there. And Miles kind of had his way with running the ball. 
Mal's coach, Coach Ruffin, I watched him in pregame, and as you looked at this team, this team looked like they were a player-led team. You can see the camaraderie. You can see these guys sticking together. There's clearly chemistry when you look at Mal's. And there's a reason why they're a good Division II school. And they came in and they pushed Southern. But Southern, what you saw and what I liked in Coach Jason Rollins and his staff, we finally got an opportunity to see what it's like to make in-game adjustments. Going into halftime down 17 to 13 to Miles, people were looking around the stadium. And I'm pretty sure people were checking their phones, scratching their heads, thinking, what's going on in A.W. Mumford Stadium today? Is Miles legit? Are they for real? And for a lot of us who watched the game for a while, we were looking at it like this Miles team is for real. But Coach Jason Rollins for Southern, every week is an interview for him, being in with the interim tag. So he has to show his versatility as a head coach. And with this one, his team was down to an opponent that shouldn't have been down to, but they went into halftime. His team made adjustments, and guess what Southern came out and did? They did it better than anybody that they've been able to do it. They ran the ball. 300-plus rushing yards, 323 rushing yards, I think, to be exact. Total rushing. You look at a guy like Craig Nelson who rushed for over 140 yards in this ball game. It made a lot of sense when Southern came out and instilled his will against Miles' defense. The only thing, Southern's defense gave up 400-plus yards in this game, 402 yards. And it was very balanced in the way Miles were able to accumulate 400 yards. A little over 200 passing, a little over 200 rushing. They were able to sustain drives. They were able to keep third downs and convert them into first downs. And that's something Southern's going to have to work on. When you have teams pent up on third downs, you have to stop those teams. You can't allow teams to convert and get those first downs. And Miles was able to do it. And Miles was able to control the game mostly on the ground with their running backs, number three and number 20. Those guys can move the ball. And I think for Southern, just making those halftime adjustments, you ultimately go into halftime with 13 points, but then you end the game with 40-plus points. It showed the will to win, and I have to say kudos and hats off to Glendon Bubba McDaniel. Got his first start at Southern, went 10 of 13 for 146 yards in this ball game, threw for a touchdown. He managed that offense well, and I think it's good that he had an opportunity to do that because Southern has three quarterbacks in Ladarius Skelton, John Lampley, and Glendon Bubba McDaniel that all of these guys are veteran guys, and they're going to need all of these guys in order to be successful as Southern makes a run until October and November once swag play starts. With uh, Mike, co-host of the Jaguar Journal, Rochelle in the Baton Rouge era, area, and period, you, you nailed it. You nailed it with the, with the assessment. Um, Glenn McDaniels, very efficient in his play, not only, and when we talk about a dual threat quarterback, of course, we talk about Ladarius Skelton, but uh, McDaniels can make every pass, was efficient running in uh, the ball club, and then uh, even use his legs a couple of times to get things done. Do you think that gives Southern's opponents something that they have to scheme for? Uh, a, a true dual threat quarterback that can do both equally throw and run but of course McDaniel's throw point is throwing the football I think I believe so and the reason I say that is Zach Grossi who's Southern University's offensive coordinator has said in his formations as you begin to see him unfold his playbook at any given time you can see all three quarterbacks on that field 
And I think what they're going to try to do is utilize the talent that they have and find ways to get the ball in ball players' hands. Well, guess how you do that? You have to have guys that have experience. And for Bubba McDaniels, having a whole game experience, starting the game and finishing the game, that helps solidify his experience to where you can start to now open this playbook up because you have the trust in guys. And I think for Bubba going 10 to 13 for about 146 yards and a touchdown thrown, although there was a fumble right before the half, you still have to negate that and look at what he was able to do. He managed well. He didn't have to make it all about him. He managed that offense well. And I think when you have those guys in that quarterback room that's able to do that, that sets you up for success down the run because of the experience, the veteran leadership, and as well as knowing this offense, you can do a lot with these guys. And I think what you're seeing with Southern, they're trying to see what can they do? What do each one of these guys bring to the table? And how can we ultimately formulate that together to make this a winning success? And then, apparently, when you look defensively, I would say right now there's work to be done defensively for the Jaguars, but the strong point is the defensive line. Now, linebackers in, in, in the secondary, it's important that everybody start really tackling well, especially in space, because now you're going up against a, two, a true dual-threat quarterback and Cody Ogeron. And also, the Jaguars, they just can't sit back to me and wait for a turnover. They're going to have to force some turnovers. How important is it that the Jaguars defensively get after Cody Ogeron and make them make uh, that, that passing game uncomfortable and how important it is that they start from this game going forward tackling better? Well, you started with saying the, the number one thing, turnovers. Turnovers are key to a game, and we saw that in the first time Southern and Magnese played. Southern with six turnovers in that game over at Magnese. If you look at that and you go back on that game, Southern blows Magnese out. That game not even close. But but due to those turnovers, it kept Magnese in the game, and Magnese just had a little bit more in order to win that game. Today's game is going to be key because Cody Orgeron is a true dual threat. Of course, Southern sees it with their quarterback when you look at Bubba McDaniel last week and Darius Skelton. But a six-year guy like Cody Orgeron, who's passed for about 456 yards this year, he is a guy that can beat you with his arm as well as his leg. So the DBs are going to have to watch out for those receivers that he have that can make plays. But I think for Southern on the defensive side, the biggest question is going to be the linebackers. That's the most inexperienced position on the field. It's led by Ray Anderson, a guy who doesn't have a lot of hours behind him. But, of course, you miss a guy like Caleb Carter, who was at that linebacker position, who led your team pretty much in tackles. He was a true leader of that defense. So now with that inexperience, you got to watch these guys grow up. And that's the hard thing about football, watching guys grow up, finding out about the names of the guys that we did not know about. We didn't know about Ray Anderson. We knew who a Calvin Lumpkins was in the past. We knew who a Caleb Carter was in the past. But now we're watching these guys grow up. And it's a slow, painful thing to do it because at the same time, you're watching them grow up. You're watching them make their mistakes. But at the same time, you have to allow these guys to get that playing time. These three non-conference games are key for Southern. When you look at Troy, Magnese, Miles, all three of those games before you hit your conference stride, these are key because what it gets you is film on guys. These guys get a chance to get film. And that's why it's going to be guys like Glenn Brown, Robert Rim. These are guys that were supposed to be starters for Southern at the cornerback position in the 2019 season. 
But due to outside the field issues, they never got a chance to touch the field. I believe Glenn Brown touched the field slightly a little bit during the spring. But now these guys have to get their stride back and get back out on the field and get game speed experience. Then you look at people like Jacoby Papillon. You look at guys like Tamara Smith. These are guys that have really asserted themselves because of the lack of play from those guys. So they've had more time on the field. So we've seen a lot more of them. So right now it's kind of tough, but open field tackle is going to be key in today's game against Magnese. Magnese is going to do something very well. They're going to run the ball in terms of with Cody Orgeron being the quarterback. He played pretty fairly well against LSU. You go back and you look at that first game of the season against West Florida, who is the Division II national champions. The final score really doesn't indicate how out of hand that game really was. But Cody Orgeron still shows you as a six-year guy, leader of that offense, that he has the will to win. And But if you ask me to be quite frank, Magnese looks at this game as the shakeback game. They think against Southern, this will be the game that they'll be able to shake back and get back to their winning ways. Southern has to have that mentality that no matter who's the opponent, we're going to be able to beat them. This game is going to have to start out physical. Southern's going to have to come out physical. None of that, let's make adjustments in the second half. You have to come out and play smash mouth football, but as well as be disciplined. You have to be disciplined in what you do against a team like this. But you have to come out and be very physical, flat out, straightforward. McNeese defensive line, if you watch that game against LSU, I don't know if McNeese defensive line was that good or LSU's offensive line was just that bad. But it could, saw, both. it could be a little of both. But I saw Magnese defense at least getting after it. But when you go back and you look at that game against West Florida, West Florida had its weight. And where they had their weight was in Magnese secondary, throwing the ball over 300-plus passing yards in that ball game. Southern's going to have to find a way to be truly, truly balanced today. Incorporate the run and become physical and dominate, but also open up with the run to where it opens up your passing game. Southern is very dynamic when it comes to wide receivers. They have some big playmaking ability. This offense, as you look at it, even with that O-line, all five guys are pretty much all swag. So going up against this D-line, I think today's game is going to really be something to watch in the trenches. Southern's O-line versus McNeese D-line, and Southern's D-line led by Devin Cotton going in there against McNeese O-line. It's going to be interesting, but big, the big thing about it is we don't know the status really on Jordan Lewis, who's the FCS Defensive Player of the Year, and we know Jalen Ivey has to sit out a quarter due to a targeting call in last week's game. So you're going to have some variables out here that we're going to have to try to figure out, but whoever's out there, I like when Coach Odoms was the head coach, he always used this next man up, where Jason Rollins is the guy now. we got to find out who's the next man up, and that's what's going to have to come out today. This is a big game, FCS matchup. Southern wants this respect. I think for a lot of Southern fans, they have become accustomed to beating the teams that you feel like you should beat. You look on your schedule, you know you're going to beat Prairie View. You got Grambling, UAPB. You see those games, Texas Southern, you become accustomed. And I think during Coach Odom's years as being in a head coach, you got used to beating those teams. But it was where do you get that extra push from your fan base where you can show them you can beat the teams that have been counting you out? Magnese State. And the way that Magnese State is set up, led by Frank Wilson, it's going to be interesting with this game. I want to see can Southern finally get over the hump and beat an opponent that's not a Division II school, as well as not in the Southwestern Athletic Conference or the Mideastern Athletic Conference. Can Southern beat a formidable opponent from the Southland Conference? Alcorn did it last week with Northwestern. 
Southern's task today is to do it. And it's going to be interesting, especially with Jason Rollins and Frank Wilson. Both these guys were coaches together. Frank Wilson, of course, the head coach at the University of Texas San Antonio with Jason Rollins as his defensive coordinator. Both these guys are not going to be across the field today. It's going to be interesting from that point also. Benchmark game, a very important game. You see where Southern stands as now playing a team on their level, played up the first week, played down the second week. Last last quick thing, uh, Perry, and appreciate the time. Uh, some people that I've talked to during the week via social media, they're wondering, is Southern University coaches staff kind of was, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> looking at some different things, but now you'll truly start seeing from the play, playbook standpoint and execution, this is the game that they have been looking at. And will we see something different from this coaching staff and players with the game with McNeese today? You asking, will we see anything different? Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know how much more you're going to see different. I think in the past you saw Southern kind of clinch his playbook. You ever watched the water boy? Yeah. And coach used to clinch that little green playbook. You didn't want nobody to know what was in there. I think Southern's still at that point right now. I think Southern looks at, we don't want to put too much on film. We still want to be somewhat of a surprise once we hit swag play, but we feel we have enough talent right now to where we can go out and compete with anybody, no matter what we call. And I think a lot of fans, it was kind of hard for them to see that against Miles, but for Southern, they was just trying to get things on film. The more you get on film, the more you can evaluate, the more you know what you can do with what you have. Zach Grossi is the offensive coordinator, has a ton of weapons around that offense. Now it's all about how do you get those guys the ball? Do you play traditional ball or do you get very creative with how you play, how you make your play calls? Ethan Howard at tight end is a guy that I think you're going to hear a lot of today. He's going to have to be a target in his terms when you look at those quarterbacks. Marquise McClain, a big kid that transferred in from out of Auburn. He's another guy who's going to have to be out there where they're going to have to find ways to get that guy the ball. And for Southern, I'm not so sure you're going to really see them open it up today. I think what you're going to see today is the bread and butter, the run game. How much can they sustain the runs? Does Devon Ben, a guy who we've seen as a veteran, does he have that breakout game? Because he seems to kind of been going more this way than he has this way. We've seen a guy like Gerard Sims. You saw Craig Nelson last week step up. Kobe Dillon, who was a quarterback but now moved over to running back, had a big game. Can he grow in terms of his uh, development at Southern at the running back position? But you're going to see the running game. I think you're going to see it heavy, and you're going to see it probably incorporated with Ladarius Skelton, a true dual-threat quarterback. I think Southern's going to try to – if they're going to win this game, I think that's going to be the direction that they go. But in terms of Zach Grossi opening up that playbook, not so sure if it happens today. I think you don't see that playbook open until late October going into November when they look at those games trying to make that SWAC championship run. Well, you definitely got to win your conference games. Boy, if they could get this victory today, it will say a lot. And uh, once again, if you're just tuning in, you're going to hear this throughout the show. Benchmark game uh, for Southern University. Uh, Parent, appreciate the time. Um, it was good talking with you. We'll, we'll do this again. I know I talk a lot, thanks. man. My bad. <laughs> thanks for coming on the, the Carlos Brown Show. Appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. All right.
That was Perry White, co-host of the Jaguar Journal, joining me here on the Coach Brown Show. Coming up next, we'll take a timeout. When I come back, I'm scheduled to visit with Tom Hofer. He's a member of the McNeese State Radio Network. He'll give us an in-depth look at McNeese State. You're watching the Gold Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. I'll be right back. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. edition of the Carlos Brown Show here on the Black College Sports Network. Now I'm going to be joined by guest two, first time on the Carlos Brown Show, Tom Hofer of the McNeese State Radio Network. Tom, good morning to you. Well, good morning. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure having you on. And you know, you're going to be on talking about McNeese State, a team that comes into uh, the ball game zero and two. But hey, McNeese is looking to get in the win column. And, um, Tom, I'm thinking they're confident that they can get the job done in Baton Rouge, the third meeting between Southern and McNeese. Tell us about uh, McNeese State and the journey they've had so far this season. Well, let's go back to the spring. Uh, the spring season was really um, uh, a big learning experience for the team. They lost a ton of players uh, due to the pandemic and, of course, Hurricane Laura, which you know devastated the campus. Um, they were scattered everywhere. Um, uh, some guys just didn't want to come back for the spring season. They got a lot of transfers in. It was a big, kind of a big upheaval. Uh, and, and they couldn't really work out and get their weights in and all of the things that they wanted to do. So they played the spring season and, and got better as that season went on. They had some major issues. The offensive line was uh, very much a problem throughout. Uh, a lot of injuries there and only really six or seven guys that they trusted. They got some more guys in over the summer there. Uh, feel like they had a good summer as far as strength and conditioning so that they were back to normal at that spot. Uh, but now they're 0-2, and they don't, I don't think anybody really knows what this football team is yet. They're still a work in progress, and uh, uh, maybe they're confident. I don't know. I, I have no idea what they're going to be like by the time we get to, say, midseason. Uh, they could be just fine and, and competing for a Southland Conference title, or they could be you know, still trying to figure things out. It would be interesting because both teams, their path to this game 
they both played down. Mm-hmm. Um, both teams played up. And now they get to compete against someone on their, their level. And you mentioned the spring season. I think I got a chance to see McNeese against Nickel State. And, boy, Nickel State was scoring a ton of points. But McNeese is able to win that, that, that ball game. So, so Tom, talk about um, Cam Peterson now mm-hmm. in Southern University's football program, uh, Coach Rollins in relationship with uh, Coach Wilson. You just have so many intangibles between these two programs. Yeah, there's so many connections. Um, Charlie Aro, one of the assistants there at Southern, is one of uh, one of my favorite McNeese players uh, in history. He was just a dynamite linebacker for the Pokes, and uh, uh, he he, uh, he he was just great to watch. Um, you know, Coach Rollins has been on the staff a couple of different times with different coaching um, units, and of course, he coached with um, with Frank Wilson over at uh, at UTSA on on that staff. Uh, and he's a great McNeese, you know, uh, guy. So, so the the connections are certainly there. Cam Peterson was a good player for McNeese for all three of the of the years that he played, and uh, we're sad to see him leave. Uh, one of the reasons I think it was easier for him to leave is that that the 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 Cowboys are good at his position. There's there was um, competition there. So, um, uh, I think the Cowboys' strength is their front four. Uh, the linebackers have been playing pretty well too, um, and. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they play against a you know a team that's really at their level. And we look at McNeese, and a lot of times I've had discussions about a dual threat quarterback. Mm-hmm. And to me, my definition of a dual threat quarterback that a quarterback that can do both with his legs and throwing the football do him equally well. Cody Ogeron, he makes that offensive that McNeese's offense go talk about what he's meant to the program uh, for McNeese and, and, and why Southern fans come to the game today will see why he has come in and has just done an outstanding job. He's such an interesting story. Aside from being Coach O's son, he came to McNeese with his twin brother, Parker. Parker was the recruit that everybody wanted, but they wanted to be a package deal. Cody did not play high school football until his senior year, and he was the starting quarterback over in uh, – in uh, Mandeville and uh, and his top target was his twin brother who was a really good receiver. Well, Parker came in and instantly started as a freshman uh, for the Cowboys, but uh, had concussion issues. Eventually after midway through his third season, uh, he had to give up football, uh, playing football. Of course, he's coaching now for his dad at, at, uh, at LSU. And meanwhile, uh, Cody, who, who was a tennis player, a very good athlete, but it was a tennis player. He's a state champion. I believe it was his junior year of, of high school and then played football his senior year. He was a walk-on for, for the Cowboys and was sixth on the uh, depth chart at quarterback. But as each year would progress, he would climb that, um, uh, that depth chart. And finally, uh, two years ago, he was the absolute no-question starter and uh, played great for the Cowboys. He, he was a work in progress, too. He's still, he's still learning at the position. Um, but yeah, he is a he is a dual threat. He, he's he's very quick. He's very good at escaping uh, if there's pressure on him, uh, both to throw the ball still or to scramble. A lot of his rushing yardage comes on scrambles, not on designed running plays. He'll he'll keep it on a zone replay or something like that occasionally. But uh, a good bit of the rushing yardage that you'll see out of him will come was he scrambles, sees nobody open, and just tucks it and goes. And he's good in in space. So uh, good story, good quarterback. Love watching him play. 
and and I was reading uh, Tom about him. Help, help me out. He he has gone so many consecutive games, and you talk about ball security. Yeah, he hasn't thrown what an interception. And yeah, a couple of games, a couple of games ago in, into the last season, in the spring season, since he's thrown one, 150 plus attempts now. Uh, uh, that's a that's the kind of thing you usually expect out of a really experienced game manager type quarterback. But he he learned fairly quickly not to force it um, in a, in a passing situation like on the run and under pressure. He'll get rid of it and just uh, go back and and take second and 10. So he, he's done a very good job of that. Um, he, he is uh, he is a good decision maker as a quarterback. Tom Hofer of the McNeese State Radio uh, Network. Um, the last time these teams got together, 34 to uh, 28, 2019, the season opener, we were just talking about ball yeah. security. Yeah. Wow. Southern turned the ball over uh, six times, mm-hmm. and then Southern scored twice in the last five minutes to – Make it 34 to 28. A uh, couple of keys for, for McNeese State um, to be successful tonight against some years in your home opinion. Pass rush, which is good, and they got to get a rushing offense together. The Cowboys have not run the football well in their first two ball games. Um, the offensive line is much more has much more depth. Uh, in this 2021 fall season they did, than they did last spring. They really haven't gelled as a unit yet, either in pass protection or in, in run blocking. Um, whichever team runs the ball better uh, tonight, I think is going to win the game. Southern's got a great rushing offense. Um, the, the Cowboy rushing defense has been pretty salty so far, um, but the Cowboy offense needs to show that they can run the football. They've got good tailbacks. That's not the issue. They just have not had holes. Uh, against either West Florida or against LSU. You can understand why against LSU. That front seven is phenomenal, and uh, and there was just nowhere to go. Uh, West Florida, they ran the ball okay, but uh, but you would hope you would have hoped they would have, have uh, performed better. Um, you know, they they would have had an easier time running. You know, with their, uh, with their my wife just came in. I had to wave to her. I understand. Uh, so <laughs> so uh, uh, you would have hoped that they would have done a better job rushing the football against West Florida. And West Florida has success, you know, through the air. And you look at Southern, their bread and butter is running the football. Uh, has Coach Wilson talked about what concerns him Yeah, coming into this game against uh, Southern University at A.W. Mumford Stadium? Yeah, he, he's afraid of the both the quarterbacks and the tailbacks. He, he likes what he sees out of those guys. And he mentioned, you know, they're playing three quarterbacks, and he thinks they're all good. Uh, and and they can all perform. So so it's not like you know we got a key on one or the other. It's uh, it's all of them. Um, he's I think he's concerned about the running game and and thinks that like I do that that whoever runs the ball better will be um, uh, you know will be the the likely winner of the ball game. And we you know we highlight this and uh, I'm just gonna get your take on this um, geographically so close the Southland. The Southwestern Athletic Conference. I'm looking at the notes now. McNeese and they're undefeated against the Southwestern Athletic Conference. They face Grandma State. They face Alcorn. How important are these games um, playing between these two conferences? I I love when we play for a, for a variety of reasons. 
uh, take that undefeated stuff and throw it away. That what we did against Prairie View in 2001 means absolutely nothing uh, in a team against a team like Southern right now. Uh, McNeese was at the peak of its uh, of its success in those days. Prairie View wasn't wasn't very good. So I, I just don't that undefeated stuff. I don't buy it at all. These are two very very closely matched teams. Um, as far as it's so much fun, you know, all of the SWAC schools, uh, especially Southern and Grambling, have phenomenal fan bases and they travel so well. So it's great to have that crowd. Uh, the bands are fun. It's, it's all, it's all a lot of fun. The tailgating is great. It's geographically close. There's so many reasons to play. Um, we think at McNeese that we travel better than any other Southland team. As far as our, our crowds, you know, we're, we're likely to bring several thousand on the road. Um, and then of course, everybody on the team that's from Louisiana, regardless of which team you're, you're talking they know somebody on the other team they played against them or they went to camps with them or they you know they 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 were uh in some cases they played together you know it's it's a it's a lot of fun for all of that and then the the recruiting aspect you know there's a lot of players out there in high school right now that both of these teams are on right and and maybe offering very soon so that's a really key thing as far as as uh you know the success in, in these games. I just love it. I think uh, I have so such respect for the SWAC programs and their fan bases and, and the fun that they have with it, uh, th- that I think we should play somebody in the non-conference game every year. I, I, I would encourage that from our uh, athletic administration. It's just, it's a great time. And Tom, we've kind of heard and been following um, with the South Southland Conference. Well, what, what's going to happen? with the Southland Conference, is it still going to be there, but just different? It's different this year, I can promise you. Uh, with all of those Texas teams that left, uh, four Texas teams bolted and uh, Central Arkansas left as well. Um, it, selfishly, for me, the travel's easier now because we're only playing teams close by in Louisiana. Uh, we're not going to... Conway, Arkansas, or Abilene, Texas anymore. Now, we still have a trip to, to uh, San Antonio for Incarnate Word. That's next weekend. That's our longest trip now, about six hours. Uh, travel's easier. So from, from my perspective, that's not, uh, not a problem. <laughs> but, you know, you got to have – we play in the playoffs, right? That's Our goal is to reach the playoffs. If your conference has seven teams, you get an automatic berth, you know, in the playoffs from your conference champion. Um we lose another school and we only got six. So we don't get the automatic bid. That would be a problem for the Southland Conference if somebody else bolts. So I know they're looking into other teams, primarily some of the D2s that might move up, but um, uh, it's a little, you know, it's a little scary that uh, that the conference may not be there and we'd be ha- having to look for another home or a different home. Um uh, so uh, I don't know if college football is in flux. You've got two new teams coming in to the Southeastern conference and the dominoes fall after that. Now the, the pack or the, uh, the, the, the big, the, the big 12 has got to get new teams in and they take them from the AAC and, uh, and, and places like that. So um, college football landscape is, is forever changing. It used to be so stable uh, for those of us that have been following it for 20, 30 years. It's, it's just, a really different ball game now. Uh, I hope the conference survives, and I hope McNeese is a part of it. But you never know. You never know. It's the Southwest Athletic Conference added two teams, yeah. uh, Florida and them, and Bethune Cookman. Yeah. So uh, you're absolutely right. The, the landscape of college athletic, athletics is 
forever changing. Uh, Tom, appreciate the time as always. We'll, I'm sure, talk. I'll pass across again uh, very soon. Hey, safe travel. Godspeed to you coming into uh, A.W. Mumford Stadium today. Uh, I see it as a benchmark game for many uh, situations. Both teams trying to get straight as they enter their conference play the following week. So best of luck to uh, you and McNeese State and Sun University in tonight's game. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for all the hospitality that you guys give, and uh, we'll see you tonight. Thank you. Have a great weekend. That was Tom Hofer of the McNeese State Radio Network joining me here on the Carlos Brown Show. I'm going to take a quick timeout. When I come back, I'll visit with Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football. He joins me next. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. Thank you guys for what you do for HBCU Athletics. This is a fantastic avenue for, for, for all of us. This is our ESPN, so we, 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 we love what you guys do. Brian, A.D., Roy, all you guys at BCSN, we really appreciate what it is that you, got, you guys do for us. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique to spice up your closet with trendy, unique looks. We have fashionable and chic looks at very affordable prices. Melvin Boutique offers free shipping all year long on all orders. Shop online at www.melvetboutique.com. That's www.melvetboutique.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. Shop Melvin Online Women's Boutique. Brian Fulford, A.D. Drew, and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics, from the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories. We cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. 
Q-Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q-Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q-Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q-Time, an Urban Passport member. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Oh, we've got a Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock in downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992 or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, authentic Caribbean cuisine. Welcome back to this edition of the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. I'm joined by Brandon B.J. Jones, the Carlos Brown Show's football analyst inside HBCU football. B.J., good, should I say good morning or good afternoon? Yeah. Which one is it? Good morning, man. I'm Central Time of Day, man. Out in the great state of Texas, man. So, well, Central. Man, you travel so much. I I, I don't know. <laughs> it's either Eastern or, or uh, Central, but um, glad to have you on today's show. And, uh, B.J., we've talked about benchmark games we've pointed toward this game but first and foremost and i appreciate you coming on you're not going to sugarcoat it and i wouldn't have it any other way your thoughts on the miles southern university football game but i'll say this first coach ruffin he has an outstanding program he's done a great job i can see him um, coaching somewhere very soon besides miles but with that being said, they took it to Southern University the first half. But the second half, kind of a different story. But 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 your, your overall thoughts on the ball game? Well, I think the biggest thing is that you saw a Miles College football team that a lot of people probably underestimated, uh, underestimated some of the athletes and how well they were coached. Uh, I mean, if you look at it, man, those kids played, um, you know, very hard. Uh, they were able to neutralize Southern's defensive line, especially in the first half. Um, you know, they went directly after Julian Lewis. Um running the football, uh, you know, making sure that they had him doubled, uh, making sure he wasn't, impact, uh, wasn't impactful in the pass rush. And, and I think a lot of people uh, probably left that football game if they didn't know, wondering who in the heck is Reginald Ruffin. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been, you know, talking about him this week, but uh, I've always been impressed with Reggie Ruffin. If you look at what he's done over at Miles College, look at that program, pre-Reggie Ruffin. And I'm talking about, when I say pre-Reggie Ruffin, I'm talking about the program from the time it was started until Reggie Ruffin got there. 
Uh, he has won more titles uh, in his run as head coach uh, at Miles College than the program had total. Uh, completely changed the 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 look, the fat, the face of that program. But you know, Southern uh, did not play well in the first half. There's no ands, ifs, and buts about it. Uh, and you know, they were had a handed to them up front on the offensive line as well as defensive line. Uh, second half looked a lot better. Uh, one of the concerning things is Southern's inability to tackle, uh, losing, uh, just like we saw in the Troy game, losing people in coverage and space in the past game. Um, and, you know, the offense was sporadic for a little bit, but then they finally, finally got it together. I think a lot of people were impressed with Glendon McDaniel, the way that he handled um, that offense, the way that they, the offense moved the ball. But, you know, where he was able to get out, get out of with a win, uh, should have probably added another, another point that, you know, fumble was called back. Uh, probably should have added more points, but, you know, Southern got the win. Uh, I, I, I can understand people being uneasy, but Southern got the win. Well, and, and, and let's be honest. I don't know how many people know this, what I'm about to say. You you, you know about this because actually you're the one text me. Um, before Bubba McDaniels, Glenda McDaniels, before he injured his hand, one of the first depth charts I saw in the spring, he was running number one. Mm-hmm. And he adds the dimension of he can really throw the football. But from an athletic standpoint, he's not bad, BJ. No. And he has gotten better. Now, I don't know who's going to start today. That's going to be a big question. But um, I, I know Skelton did start because he wasn't 100%. How close is he to 100%? To me, and it's just me, you may disagree, but I think you can scheme a little bit. It's easier to scheme against Southern against Skelton, believe it or not, because Skelton is more athletic. He beats you with his legs. But I'm going to have people to say, we've got to – Skelton's got to prove that he can beat us throwing the football. You have to worry about that with with, with, with Skelton – I mean, excuse me, with Bubba McDaniel. Yeah. Uh, you know, his ability to throw the football, he strengthens the field. Uh, you saw that last week uh, with Miles. You saw that those defensive backs starting to creep back a little bit more uh, in, in the second half, which really opened up the run game. Um, so, you know, it, it, made, it made the holes, uh, I mean, wide open because the defensive backs weren't, weren't, you know, weren't crept up. And, you know, the running backs really, uh, you know, took advantage of that. Um, 21, uh, his name keeps uh, escaping me. Craig Nelson, yeah. He took full advantage of that. You know, when Bubba McDaniel's there, he stretches the defense out. Um, and they know that there's no just sitting on the run because he can beat you with that deep ball. And then Kobe Dillon. I mean, I know he got some carries late in the ball game, but, man, his he's elusive. He's strong. Man, he's quick. I mean – I can see him getting him the ball in space, former quarterback, but with him and Nelson, Nelson also can catch the ball coming out of the backfield. And then with Ethan Howard as a tight end, I really believe you can start using those, those assets and making this offense kind of what we saw in, in the spring. Cause I don't know if you've heard this, but some people have been saying that the offense seems to be not the same as coming out of the spring or they can't put their finger on it. Have you have anyone approached you about that? Or you've heard that conversations? Yeah, I've heard that, you know, the offense is not as fluid as it was during the spring. But, you know, 
the offense didn't start off fluid in the spring. You know, it, it was really, the offense really took off uh, really after that Texas Southern, uh, you know, game and then into Jackson State and into Grambling. Um, and, and I think a lot of people just assume you stop, you know, you stop playing from the from the from the spring. You just pick it up in the fall. No, that's not the way that football works. Uh, it, it's almost like a ramp up period again. As you see, even the teams that played in the spring, they were a little rusty when they came, you know, over into the fall. So you know, once that there, there's something to be said to be a mid season form. And I think a lot of people expected everyone to start off in mid season form. Uh, but I think that offense will uh, grow and develop uh, each week. Uh, I'll tell you first that it's not the offense that I'm concerned about. Uh, it's Southern defensively. Uh, that defensive line that we've heard so much about, uh, you know, with uh, Jordan Lewis, Davin Cottons, and, and the likes, Jalen Ivey. Uh, so far, it's just been a bunch of names. We haven't seen the production uh, up there in, in the sack game. Uh, we haven't seen, you know, Southern be able to get to the quarterback with just four. Uh, you know, it's been a lot of blitzing to get to the quarterback. <laughs> uh, so my, my concern is missed tackles. The lack of tackling, uh, the the issues and coverage. Uh, my issues for for Southern, you know, would be on the defensive side of football. How, how do you correct that? Be you're a former defensive guy playing at Southern University. It, it, it's got to be put in a position to make the tackle, but then you've got to make make the tackle. How how do you fix that? You know what? You know, playing defense is is an, is an attitude. Um, you know, I always say that it, it, it's an attitude. Uh, there's nothing that you can scheme to make a tackle. Uh, it's, it's you know, attitude. Um, but I think there's also, if you look at Southern defensively, there has been a schematic change. Uh, if you look at how the team played in the spring, and you look at how they're playing now, their alignments, um, you have Jordan Lewis dropping in the coverage. You've seen that a, a few times this year. So it might be a, the, the schematic change that has guys thinking a little bit more instead of reacting. Um, so, you know, that could be playing an issue um, as well. But, you know, like I said, when it comes down to tackling, that's just an attitude. I like rebounding. I used the mm -hmm. analogy Larry Bird couldn't jump off a stack of times. But he was a good rebounder. Right. He went after it. Dennis Rodman, well, no, he couldn't. He could jump over a stack of dimes, but it was more of a whatever attitude. Mm -hmm. So I equate tackling uh, the same way. So we'll wrap up the Southern Miles talk, a Southern a different ball club in the second half. Brent Butter is running the football um, against McNeese State. They're going to have to run the football, in my humble opinion, B, uh, BJ. But also, I think this is the one time you really want to see. Some some balance because I can see McNeese saying, "Hey, we, we're gonna we're gonna put seven eight in the box, and we're gonna make Southern beat us throwing the football. And if they can do that, we, we we'll live with that." Do you see the same scenario? Yeah. Uh, what do you what what do you see for Southern to be successful in today's ball game or uh, tonight's? Well, me. number one, I think McNeese is going to load up, try to stop the run and make Southern um, sure they can pass. And I think offensively, I think that you're going to get a McNeese alive in the pass game. I think that the last two weeks you saw a secondary that has have been beaten. Uh, that has been beaten. Uh, and I'm talking about guys running wide open in the middle of the zone. Um, so Cody Ogeron, he hadn't thrown an interception in, I think, over 180-some-odd passes. I think he's licking his chops. I think the plan is to uh, use that pass to kind of set up the run. Uh, once you have uh, Southern concerned about the run, then come in and hit me. 
concerned with the pass, come back and hit them with the run. <laughs> um, I think, you know, that's the, the plan. If you're Southern, you have to dominate the line of scrimmage, uh, which is something that hadn't been done the, the first two weeks of the season. Uh, the offensive line and defensive line have to do their part, uh, move McNeese around, being able to open up those those running lanes uh, for Craig Nelson and, 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 and that group and, and Devon Ben. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, defensively for, for Southern, you have to put some pressure on Cody uh, Ogeron, force him into mistakes, and then tackles. No missed tackles. You can deal with a five-yard reception. You can't deal with a five-yard reception, a missed tackle that turns into a 15, 20-yard reception. Uh, you can deal with a three-yard run. You can't deal with a three-yard run that ends with, you know, missed tackles and that three-yard run turns to a 10, 12-yard run. So that's going to be key for Southern tonight and going, uh, going up against McNeese. Yeah. Defensively, you're in position, tackle well in space, and put as much pressure as you can on Cody Ogeron. And, boy, it would be uh, great to get takeaways. And mm-hmm. for Southern University, establish the run be balanced on offense. And, and speaking of balanced offense, let's move to a Thursday night game. Um, and, and Charles Edmonds, the next guest, and we, we may add him in. He really believes Alabama and them is living on borrowed time. They had a one-point victory. Then they were up early on Bethune-Cookman, and then they hold on uh, to, to win a 30-27. to 27. But one thing we know, Alabama and them, they can score in many ways. Offensively, they were very efficient. Defensively, they have to improve in that category. But but your, your overall thoughts on Alabama and them. And BJ, the two newcomers are 0-1 in their first SWAC conference game. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, you know, the biggest thing about it, you know, with uh, Alabama and them, I think that Gary Qualls brings something different. Uh, you know, his ability to run the ball and catch the ball out of the backfield. I think that he makes them dangerous. He reminds me a lot of um, uh, Alaire for the Chiefs that came out of LSU with his ability to run the football and catch it um, out of the backfield. Um, I think that Akil Glass is, is special. I like that receiver group. Um, offensive line may not be the strongest in the world, uh, but he does a great job of uh, avoiding pressure, knowing when to step away, step up. Uh, where to deliver the ball. I really like him. Uh, and, and for Bethune Cookman, you got to think coulda, woulda, shoulda. That was a block punt that they should have had where you know the, the kicker dropped it, then picked it up and was able to get it off. And then there were three crucial drop passes uh, for Bethune Cookman. And then if you go back and look at the game, the quarterback, Patrick from Bethune Cookman, had a few opportunities to turn second and long into possibly a first down or third and, third and long to possibly a first down by just pulling the football down and running. Alabama and was deep in coverage. There wasn't a man within a defender within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And for whatever reason, he was determined he was going to throw the football. Um, so I think if you're Bethune-Cookman, it's coulda, woulda, shoulda. If you're Alabama and m you breathe. Uh, you made it to another week. Next week, they have Tuskegee before they get back into conference play. The Tuskegee game won't be a challenge for them. Um, I'm sorry, Tuskegee is not uh, the Tuskegee of old. Uh, and, and they'll get ready for, you know, uh, conference play after that. But I, I think, you know, it's with Alabama A&M, you're going to have to beat them. Um, you're going to have to, to to beat them. You're going to have to slow down that offense. And that, and that defense has figured it out. We just need to stop at the right time. I don't have to stop you all game. We just need one at the right time. And I think that's the way that you want to see them play throughout the year. Yeah. Um, they, of course, I guess if you talk to Coach Maynard, he would say, yes, we, we can improve. Some would say, Ben, but don't break. Um. 
could you see a scenario? Don't laugh at me, BJ, but can you see a, 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 that one game Alabama and them offensively is off and they have to rely on their defense to get it done? Could, could they do that? But first and foremost, could you see the great jogger offensively have an off game offensively? Oh, yeah, you, you can see it. You know, those, those things tend to happen. Um, and, and if that happens and that defense is not able to rise to the occasion, then, you know, Adams probably going to take a loss on that on that Saturday. Um, so, uh, you know, if you can get pressure on the kill glass and stop that run game uh, with Gary Qualls uh, and, and, and really get to him uh, and, and get him on the ground, uh, I think Bethune-Cookman, their plan as far as controlling the clock, that was a good plan. They, they just failed to convert in some key areas. But, uh, you know, that defense for Alabama and has to get better. From the repeat for them to repeat as champion. It seemed like I was in a twilight zone. Does it seem like every Thursday night game is either rain, lightning delay, the game delay? You remember Alcorn and Pine Bluff bats flew into yeah. the lights? Unbelievable. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there like with, with a blanket, like Linus. Let us get through this game. Let us get through this game. It just always seems like something happens. Um, Willard says, can the Jaguars play a clean game and not make costly turnovers against McNeese? By contrast, can the Jags force McNeese to make some mistakes? Thanks for the uh, comment and the question, uh, Willard. Can the Jaguars play a clean game penalty-wise and turnovers? We know the last time they played them, uh, basically cost them the game, yeah. six turnovers. Yeah, turnovers and and and, and penalties, and I, and I think the biggest thing, uh, if you're Jack, if you're a member of Jaguar faithful, you hope so. Uh, you hope to see Southern play a clean game and play a disciplined game. Uh, which I'm gonna be honest with you, the team had been very disciplined uh, these first two weeks with the targeting penalties and some of the the personal foul penalties. That it, it's kind of uncharacteristic uh, to, to see from um, a Southern football team. Um, so a, a lot of people have brought that up, the, the lack of discipline, uh, but. If, if, if Southern can play discipline football, not turn the football over, Southern has more than a, a puncher's chance of beating McNeese State. Matter, matter of fact, they have a fairly good chance of beating McNeese State. Uh, and with and, the talent, the talent is there for Southern. Uh, so if that talent plays to its talent level, uh, I think Southern could win this game going away. Uh, the problem is we haven't seen that talent play to its talent level for, for four quarters yet this season. What I'd like to do, BJ, and, uh, and I'll, I'll give you something to think about as we go to a timeout. One, could you stay on or add uh, Charles Edmund on mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to the broadcast? And, you know, I kind of teased about maybe a power ranking, maybe the top five in the conference. Think think about that when, when we come back. And, you know, hey, as much as everyone knows how I feel about Jackson State, Defensively, they have really uh, done an outstanding job. And and and, and young San, uh, Sanders, uh, he's coming in his own. Sometimes you have to say, "Hey, he's still a freshman." But what a performance last week against Tennessee State. Tennessee State. BJ, is it still a, a, a week away from kind of looking at maybe a, a, the top five teams in the conference? Yeah, I think it's about a week away. Okay, uh, we'll wait the next week. Then. Yeah, about a week away. Yeah. But you can't start thinking about it. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. I'll come up with my top five. And, boy, some of the different polls that are out, 
I try to be objective, but um, no love shown to Southern University by a lot of the polls. I guess maybe it's deserving because of the way they play. But hold that thought, BJ. We're going to take a timeout. We're going to come back. I'm going to add Charles Edmund, and I'm going to ask him. You know what I'm going to ask him, BJ. The situation with Coach McNair. And I got a chance to talk with Coach McNair. Hell, he took a picture with my significant other. Looked better in the picture than I did. <laughs> um, he is the guy that deserves better. Yeah. And you look at him, he's a purple and gold guy through and through. But I can see McNair, Coach McNair, saying, you know what? The hell with that. I'm gone. Yeah. But that's a situation. We'll, 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 we'll ask Charles to, uh, to, Give us comments on that and get your comments on it as well. Take a quick time out. You're watching the Carlos Brown Show on the Black College Sports Network. HBCU, lead pass. Watch your favorite black colleges. Some of the best players in the land. HBCU, lead pass. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. ...to these colleges, and we have to fund our kids in these colleges, and we have to make sure our kids have seats in these colleges. Now what about HBCUs you, you mentioned? Absolutely. You've got to fund them all, and you've got to make sure they're properly funded. You know, the real reason why I went after uh, Comcast and Charter, it didn't, even have, it didn't have anything to do with my cable networks. It didn't. What happened was uh, a gentleman wanted to do the Black College Sports Network, in partnership with the HBCUs, Mm -hmm. and Comcast did not accept it. And that would have made a lot of money for these black colleges. Absolutely. And it would have educated, the Black College Sports Network, this is what he wanted to do, that would have educated a lot of black kids. And when they didn't do that, that's when I came off the bench and said, okay, I'm going to light you up like a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. Okay? That was the real reason why I got into it was when I saw what happened with the Black College Sports Network, which I don't own. I just knew. Why that, did you buy it? I just knew. I may. I just knew that these black. <laughs> I like that talk. All right. I knew that these black colleges were going to benefit and these black kids were going to get the education. Mm-hmm. That- Welcome back to hour number two of the Carlos Brown Show 
Parts exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Joined by B.J. Jones now. Added Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State Radio Network. Charles, good morning to you. Good morning from Mobile, Alabama. That season was going south fast, and it got to the point where our fans and some alums brought picket signs to homecoming, wanting a change. And Ooh. that's a... Uh, that was a tough week then, and uh, this was even a tougher week because this story, you know, grew legs, and it's now it was a national story, and so that you know that that turns up uh, that that ratchets it up another notch. But we're here, in Mobile. The game will be played, and uh, let's let's see if we can get through it and get ready for Pine Bluff on Thursday. If I use the word frustrated, would that be the word to describe Coach? McNair and in our number one, um, what he's done for for the football program, he's got the the gold medal behind him. He deserves better, and he said it's administration problem, but it's a problem that's affecting the uh, program. Now you're you're on the road for what a three hundred thousand dollar guarantee that's going to the university. It's frustration, uh, the, the the biggest word for Coach McNair. Yeah, it's, it's it's disappointing for everybody involved. I mean, not only for Coach McNair, if you just go right up and down the line, obviously Coach McNair is the caretaker and CEO of the football program. You look at the players, uh, even administration, and just the university as a whole, fans, alums, boosters, supporters. And unfortunately for this week, there were no winners here. I mean, every, I, mean I was kind of bummed out for two or three days because I'm like, what in the heck is going on? You know, and it's just, it's just unfortunate. Um, but I, I will say this. I think that at the end of the day, uh, this situation will be straightened out. This situation will be fixed. And at some point, you know, we'll be moving on from it. And I think we can move on a little bit from it if we play well today. Uh, because they haven't had a lot of practice time this week, as we all, as, as it's been reported. You know, I, I was... I was uh, on campus Monday morning, and I didn't see them out there practicing. And I thought at the time that they were in meetings. You know, I was on campus about 8 o'clock, 8.15, 8.30, and typically they're out there by that time. But I figured, well, they might have had team meetings, and then you go out. But then, you know, later on, I really didn't know the gravity of what was happening until about 5.30, 5.45 Monday night. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, you got to buckle up and – as I say, put your put your big boy pants on and get ready to deal with it. And that's what we did, and here and here we are. Well, we'll move on from that. Uh, I, I didn't know if the paparazzi was camped out at your door. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you could you could be on the on the end of a story that you don't. It, it, it actually reminded me of when um, I broke the news about the celebration bowl coming to fruition. Um, some people won't speak to me to this day because I guess that was supposed to be news that wasn't supposed to just get out just yet. But we'll, 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 we'll move on. We'll move on. Hopefully it will all work out as you stated. Uh, guys, last week um, in the conference, um, Auburn, I got a chance to watch about maybe 15 minutes of that ball game. I couldn't take it anymore. 62 to zero over Alabama State. Fam, you bounces back against Fort Valley State, 34 to 7. Central Florida at the time defeated Bethune Cookman 63 to 14. 
Jackson State all over Tennessee State. Wasn't even close, in my opinion. 38 to 16. Baylor over Texas Southern, 66 to 7. It was Southern Miss over Grammar State, 37 to 0. The big win, the big win of last week. Alcorn State over Northwestern State, 13 to 10. Of course, Southern over Miles, 41 to 24. And in Courtney Word, Blue Pass, Prairie View, and them 40 to 9. BJ, Alcorn gets it done again in one of those benchmark games, albeit Alcorn defense, they get the gold trophy. That's who won it, in my humble opinion. Yes, that defense was solid. That defense looked like the Alcorn defense. We expected them to look like against North Carolina Central. Uh, they played a solid football game, really limited Northwestern State where they were able to do uh, on the ground as well as in the air. Uh, and, and they created opportunities for that offense, uh, especially uh, getting uh, towards the end of the football game uh, for the offense to come out and win it. Um, so you got to give Alcorn State uh, credit. They bounced back. Um, and they did it, probably did it up under difficult circumstances. Uh, and so, you know, my heart uh, goes out to, you know, Alcorn State. Uh, but I was glad to see them get that win. And we needed that win as, as a conference. Uh, we, anytime we play those, you know, uh, intersectional uh, games, you know, against other FCS conferences, it's important that we get those wins. So uh, glad to see Alcorn uh, get that win and a uh, big win for the Braves down the, on the reservation. Rose Edmund, I, I'm sure um, you guys felt, you know, relieved and it was a good win for, uh, for Braves Nation. Excellent win. I mean, up until Monday, that win got a lot of oxygen, you know, for a 48 hour period. It, it, it carried the weight of the day. And, uh, you know, the offense had its starts and stops. And I asked, I asked Fred McNair about that. Is he concerned about the offense? Because it has been, it has been a struggle to, to get some consistency, but Toby's not worried about it. You know, there's some things that need to be cleaned up, nothing to be overly concerned about. And you also have to give credit to North Carolina Central as well as Northwestern State's defense for keeping us bottled up. But, you know, we put a four-minute drive together. Uh, we went 92 yards, 10 plays, taking up 410 on the clock. And, you know, we, we had the big play in that drive was a 50-yard pass from Felix Harper to Manny Flash Jones. They call him Flash for a reason because he's fast, he's quick, and he got the separation. You saw the game. He got the separation to make that catch, and then Felix Harper finished it off, and the defense just slammed the door. So it was a good win uh, for the FCS fans nation. I talked about it all week. You know, the ability for us to win these type of games, you know, it doesn't take away the fact we need to play more of these type of games and win more of these type of games. So we were able to get that done on Saturday. It was interesting, guys. We talked about that uh, last week, the opportunities and, and being successful in that. And you see Coach Sanders uh, kind of talk about playing up. Remember, we talked about those games. And if we look at this week's schedule, uh, pretty much everybody's playing up. Some FBS, some playing FCS games. And, and by the way, Charles, uh, um, with Southern and Miles, it was tough at one point. And I had a guy text me and said, um, Charles Edmund said on the broadcast, he, he, he was trying to get a hold of Carlos. And he must be worried about the Southern and the Miles football game. <laughs> yeah. You, you you're right. So I, I thought that was funny. <laughs> that was funny. I did I didn't uh, answer the text message, but uh, my attention was <laughs> at, well, with, with with that game with with Southern and, and Miles. But as BJ stated, 
Uh, Miles is a very good program, and, and I think they'll be successful again uh, in the SIAC this year. Well, that that's a reason why, in a sense, and I know coaches probably won't admit this publicly, schools like Miles and Tuskegee, coaches don't want to play those schools for the very reasons that, that we talk about. Because if you lose those type of games, you're going to get plastered if you lose those type of games. Yep. If you win them, you're supposed to win them. But if it's close or if you lose them, it's almost like a, if you lose, it's obviously a loss. But if it's a close game, then it feels like a loss. And I think sometimes you don't want to play those type of teams. But, you know, just like we can say, and Coach Sanders said it the other day, like we shouldn't be playing up like this. And he feels like, you know, if, his, if, if Jackson State fills up Memorial Stadium and he feels like in years to come, we won't be playing those games. So it's kind of the same kind of domino effect. But, you know, you can, you know, walk into a pothole if you're not careful. And I, it was good to see that Southern pulled away in the second half as well as Florida A&M because I thought those were two trap games with FAMU and, and, uh, and as well as Miles and Southern. I, I, I thought those were two trap games, FAMU and Fort Valley. I'm Desmond Charles Edmund of the All Court State Radio Network and Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football. Okay, guys, um, you know, Alabama A&M, uh, BJ, you remember I said earlier, Charles said Alabama and them is going to catch up with them, but until until that happens, they pull out a four, well, uh, a thirty twenty seven victory over um, Bethune Cookman. So both new newcomers in the Southwest Athletic Conference they lose their first conference games. Is there something to make out of that, BJ, or it's it's still too early to 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 make a distinction that they they've lost their opening conference games. Oh, it's still too early. Uh, they've only played one game, um, and, and to be honest with you, you know both are still in it. Uh, contrary to what people believe, they're still in it, uh, and, and both lost close games. You know, one was a one point loss, the other one was a three point loss. You're talking about two losses by a combined four points. Um, to let you know kind of where they are. Um, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how the Eastern Division uh, shakes out. You got some Eastern Division matchups getting ready to come up. Um, I know people probably have October the 9th uh, circle uh, on their calendars, uh, but it, it's, it's a long season, and that's why I tell people, man, this thing ain't won or lost in one week. It could be a conglomerate uh, of, of weeks, and uh, the things are going to happen. And just, just sit back and relax, and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I know uh, your time is limited. Uh, for this segment, so just let me know when you have to to move on. Um, okay. But but but, BJ, what game stands out in the conference for you this week? Is there a game of the week? Um, if there was a game of the week, I would simply uh, roll with Southern and McNeese. Um, I, I would roll with the two non-conference games: Southern and McNeese, and Prairie View and Houston Baptist. I think those are two. Swag versus Southland matchups, and it would be great for the Swag to go 2-0 and uh, in those matchups, kind of piggybacking off what Charles said. We need to play more of these games, but when we play them, we need to win these games. And I know for uh, Jaguar Nation, that seven-point loss, six-point loss, uh, what have you, to McNeese uh, last time in, in Lake Charles and those six turnovers, people think about what could have been. If you eliminate the turnovers, what, what that game could have been. Southern has another shot. Um, Ed McNeese, they can make a statement not only about what this football team will be this year, uh, but a statement for the conference. And I think Purdue is able to do the same thing against Houston Baptist. 
uh, you know, kind of uh, a program that is, is not the best. Uh, they can now show their dominance and, and get another win for the conference. And, and Charles, we also look at quite a few teams are playing up, up meaning FBS. Of course, all course State and South Alabama, Jackson State and Louisiana Monroe. Another intriguing matchup, uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff at Central Arkansas, Grambling at Houston, um, FAMU at South Florida, and Mississippi Valley State at Stephen F. Austin. Can JSU make this a ball game against ULM and Alcorn at South Alabama? Well, you know, the Jackson State-ULM game is a real uh, interesting matchup to me. You got two schools that's roughly 120 miles apart. Um, and, you know, you got Coach Bowden over there in his first season. You got Jackson State playing playing pretty well. The defense is playing lights out. Uh, I know Coach Sanders has talked about not necessarily playing those type of teams. But, you know, that schedule was inherited before he got there. I think if JSU's offense can pick up where it left off against Tennessee State, and if their defense can continue, can continue to be rock solid like it's had like it's been the first couple of weeks, that game might be interesting for a while. That that that's one that I'm looking forward to really watching. That's a game I probably would be attending in person just to see, uh, just to see how Jackson would would perform as they play up. So that that's the, the one interesting game for me. And then Southern and McNeese. You know, we played McNeese a couple of weeks ago, a couple of years ago, and Felix Harper came in off the bench and almost beat McNeese. Um, mm -hmm. That game's important for various reasons. Recruiting, number one, I think recruiting's important. You got Baton Rouge and Lake Charles 100 miles apart, fertile recruiting ground at two FCS schools. So I think if Southern can pick up where they left off, get that rhythm going offensively, put some points on the board over there in Lake Charles, I do think that uh, the Jaguars might have a chance. And then that Central Arkansas game, too. You know, Central Arkansas is FCS as well. A lot of people don't talk about that as well. And, you know, so for UAPB to go there, uh, I think that'll be an intriguing matchup before they play the Braves in five days. So I, I think these are some interesting games this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they turn out. And, and then, uh, BJ, yeah, as Charles talked about, good games prior to – then getting into to conference play. And, and I think when you look at some of the fans on social media, and I think you alluded to this earlier, BJ, some some fan bases, they're starting to panic early on. You know, I, I know we talk about high expectations for some teams, but, hey, one game doesn't make or break your season. So it's kind of like chill out a little bit, but then you, you realize there are the expectations but you just want to see improvement. And, and one of the things you don't want to see a team beating itself. If you think about Southern, that 2019 season, it began with six turnovers, and then, oh, my goodness, the SWAG championship game. But five turnovers five is all court yeah. state. Yeah. So in between, there was good football play, but those turnovers, beating yourselves is a good way to beat yourself. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think, you know, when you get into college football, the one thing is I've always heard, that the other team's going to be good enough. You don't have to help them. Uh, you, you, you don't have to help them. And I think those turnovers, they mean a lot when you're playing a team that's closely matched in a, in a, in a, in a close ball game. Those turnovers are a difference uh, between winning and losing, um, as well as boneheaded penalties. So I think especially for 
our football teams um, today that are stepping out to play and then the, uh, the Southland teams and, 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 and Arkansas Pine Bluff playing UCA from the A Sun, it's going to be a vo- very important to play disciplined football and not turn the football over. And if you're going to be beat, make them beat you. Don't hand them the football game. And, you know, and that's interesting because you transferred into Southern University, played at Alabama, Birmingham. Was there a big difference even from the mindset coming to play at a lower division? And, Charles, you've called uh, playoff games. You know, the old argument is, is it talent or is it preparation and coaching or is it a combination of both? Why not? being as successful in those type of games. And I think uh, the big big part of it is, you know, uh, especially coming from, you know, FBS programs, depth, uh, the amount of depth that we had and the skill and talent uh, on the offensive line and, and the depth there, that makes a big difference. Uh, you know, you have those big guys, those big fellows get tired. Uh, the ability to be able to roll in, you know, a new group, uh, not a lot, a, lot, a lot of teams being a, a, have that ability to do that at the FCS level. Um, I don't think people understand how hard good linemen are to find. Uh, you can find skill position players anywhere. Uh, you know, there's 707s going on all summer. There's no 707 for linemen. Um, not a lot of linemen camps. And what you find a very a, a elite uh, offensive linemen that play at the Division One level, there's not a lot of, not a lot of them um, to go around. So that was really – um, you know, the, the big difference. But, you know, hey, at UAB, we took some beatdowns too. You know, I remember, you know, Florida, you know, Tennessee, Florida State, uh, and the likes uh, with the Georgia after I was going in 2003 uh, and, and almost pulled that one out 16, you know, 13, lost there by three points. Um, so, like I say, it, it just all depends. You know, it, it really, it just all depends. You want to comment on that? Yeah, I mean, I I think a part of that is is the depth. I mean, we when you play in an FCS school like a Northwestern or Central Arkansas, they have 63 scholarships. So does Alcorn. So does UAPB. So from that standpoint, it's even. Now, quality and quantity, I, I would say that the talent may be a little bit on the upgrade as far as the other team that we're playing. But I also think that there's not as much of an emphasis on those type of games from a fan's perspective. And this has been the case for 30 years. You know, when we play a Stephen F., when we play a Sam Houston, when we play uh, Central Arkansas or whatever, you know, whatever the case, it just doesn't get the kind of attention. Now, if you beat those teams like we did last week, it got a lot of attention. But when you don't, then it's like, well, they weren't, probably weren't going to beat them anyway. So it's yeah. just, it's, I think it's a mental part of it too. It's the mental part of the game that we lose out on. And then when you're playing those type of teams, it's the little things that get you. Special teams, you don't make a PAT. The little, now in SWAC games, it can hurt you too. But when you're playing those type of teams, they're looking for the little nuances where they can get an edge. And I think those things are the ones that come back and get you, get you behind early, and then the game gets away from you. I hope that changes, but just based on the games that I've seen over the years, you know, when you have a Steve McNair, that's a game changer. You know, when you beat a Samford and you beat a Stephen F and a Sam Houston, that's a game changer. But other than that, it's the little things that get you when you're playing those non-conference teams, whether it's FBS with 85 scholarships or in the FCS versus FCS 63. It's those little things that get you extra possessions, turnovers 
that flip the game and then it gets away from you. We've talked about today's uh, schedule. Who has the best chance of um, winning a game that they're not favored to win? Uh, I like Southern. You know, that McNeese line is, is not a big line uh, by any stretch. Um, I think the, the last I saw was uh, McNeese. I think it was maybe seven, uh, seven to seven and a half. So I think Southern has the best opportunity. I think with Arkansas Pine Bluff, UCA is a solid program. I think, you know, they're in the top 25. Uh, you saw what they were able to do against Arkansas State uh, and really push them into the second half. Um, that's that's a, a tough ask uh, for um, Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, now, I think the Mississippi Valley going to Stephen F. Austin is interesting. Um, I think Stephen F. Austin uh, has not been playing the best quality of football. I think Mississippi Valley is improved. I would not be see, uh, shocked to see that be a, a fourth quarter ball game and have Valley with an opportunity to win it late. Uh, and with, with Prairie View, I think they should take care of uh, Houston Baptist. Um, I, I think if, you know, there's a, a, a must win there because I think that Prairie View uh, has the better football program. Uh, and if you lose to, to, to Houston Baptist, you, you've been upset. And uh, you've been up, upset at home. Uh, so I think that, you know, uh, that's important. I think I, I hope that the SWAC can win all of them today. Uh, but at the very minimum, go three and one. Dawson, there's a tree uh, BJ's comments with, uh, I was thinking about that, Prairie View hosting uh, Houston Baptist at home. Because let's just be honest, I think the seat is hot for Coach Dooley at Prairie View. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I think so. Um, there's, you know, clearly, you know, he, he got off to a good start in, uh, in beating Texas Southern. That's one he had to have or else his seat would be white hot, you know. Now, there's a difference between being red hot and white hot. White hot's actually white, uh, hotter than red hot. So he, 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 he got through that hurdle. But, you know, the, these regional games are important for recruiting purposes as well, I think. You know, if Prairie View can, can play close with Houston Baptist, I think, you know, it could, he could at least flip the script a little bit on the recruiting battles because, as we know, Prairie View recruits hard in Houston. Houston Baptist, of course, being in Houston, that, that's, that's going to be a – you know, if he can play closer, maybe win it in games at Panther Stadium, which they play well at home, I do think that uh, that it will be a big a big win um, for Prairie View. The game that, I, that intrigues me the most, I, I come back to that Jackson-ULM game. That's another game regionally. Two schools 120 miles apart, ULM-Jackson State kind of going after the same kind of athletes in that uh, central Louisiana, Mississippi, central Mississippi region. They're, they're, they're plucking from the same tree. And I think if Jackson State can play tough, and I do think they have a shot. I really, really do. Terry Bowden just got there yesterday. And so, you know, Deion Sanders has been there a little bit, but his team's a little bit more poised and it's got a little bit more going on there. If Shadur Sanders can play with the poise, if that defense can be aggressive, I think they can slow ULM down enough to where Jackson State can stay in that game over there in Monroe. And so those are the two games that are really intriguing to me. For the Braves, of course, playing here in Mobile against South Alabama, they got to get off to a good start. I mean, they haven't had a lot of time to practice. They've only had a couple of days to practice. But if they can get off to a strong start, put South Alabama on their heels, then that's when things get a little interesting considering the way our defense has been playing. It's going to be interesting um, in these games this week and then next week um, for Alcorn. They turn around and play on a Thursday at Arkansas Pine Bluff. That's going to be a game that everyone's going to be interested in. 
the reigning Eastern Division champ, BJ, down in the West. They play the spring Western Division champions right off the bat. If we could look ahead, will it be more taxing on Alcorn? Or shall I rephrase it? Will it be more pressure on Alcorn next Thursday night? Or is all the pressure on Arkansas Pine Bluff? I think the pressure is going to be on Alcorn. I think uh, people didn't predict Alcorn to do much. I thought they I mean, people didn't thought didn't think Arkansas Pine Bluff would do much. I thought that, that was a mistake. I thought that Arkansas Pine Bluff would contend for the West Division title again. Uh, and I think for Alcorn, you know, this is the, the first big uh, battle in the West. You know, the Wild Wild West. You know, this this is the first battle. Um, if you want to bring that dominance that you had in the East over to the West, uh, then this is one of those must wins. You know, you don't want to start off zero and one. Uh, in, in, in the cellar uh, and then still looking up with, you know, Grambling, Prairie View and Southern still looming. Um, so I think that this is a, a, a crucial game. I think it's, it's crucial for both of these teams. Arkansas Pine Bluff wants to prove that uh, the spring was not a fluke, uh, that this is a program that can sustain itself and, 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 and they can continue to defend their title. And I think that, you know, Alcorn wants to prove that, hey, we used to bring that same dominance over to the Western Division. So I'm looking forward to that game already. I'm already chuffing at the bits. Um, that one, and I think this is going to be a huge Thursday night matchup. And Charles, I said it in hour number one. Man, even Alabama and them and Bethune Cookman playing on a Thursday night, a, a weather delay. You've been personally involved in some weird Thursday night games, um, whether the bats flying into the lights. I think that was all corn weather delays. Are, are you shell shocked? Do you think about that going to those Thursday night games? Wow, that that game still resonates with me today. A, almost a five-hour lightning delay, and uh, they eventually canceled the game around eleven thirty that night. ESPN pulled the plug on it. It was Charlie Neal and Jay Walker doing the game. That game still resonates. That's one of those things that that you take to your grave. It's one of those broadcasts and so situations in which. You can be 80 years old and you can reflect back on a game like that. Let's hope that's not the case um, on Thursday. But, you know, UAPB is not getting the in, in the discussion like an Alabama a and I mean, yes, they are the division champs. Um, they're the defending division champs from the spring, but nobody's really talking about them. Everybody's talking about Southern and Grambling, Alcorn. Uh, you know, Dooley's on the hot seat, but nobody's talking about Doc Gamble and what UAPB has done. And so, you know, for me going there, and I talked with Doc Gamble at Media Day, he's looking forward to the Braves coming to town, and but he's got to get by Central Arkansas today. That'll be a very good test for the Braves on a short week coming off of what we've dealt with this week. Tough game here tonight. And Fred McNair told me he's not going to hold back anything, despite the fact that in five days we open up division play. He's, he's going for it all tonight at 7 o'clock. And that's Fred McNair in a nutshell. Doesn't care in spite of whatever's going on. Go out there and play and try to get it done. So it's going to be an interesting matchup on Thursday. Hope we can come out of this thing and play well. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one on Thursday night because I think UAPB is one of those programs that nobody talks about, even after winning the division. Who's talking about UAPB? We didn't talk about them in the spring, and what did they do? They, they, they kicked us all in the rear end and said, wake up. And so I think uh, I think the same thing, you know, is happening again. We're talking about Southern Grambling, Alcorn. Who's talking about the division champs, UAPB? Nobody. But I think Doc Gamble wants it that way, though, because that takes the pressure off. 
interesting. And, and, you know, in past shows, we talked about how many teams would have one loss or two. Well, two losses win um, the division. I think a team that has one loss, I think they'll, they'll, they'll win it no matter what, what the, what division or do Charles, you, you see maybe two losses in, in, in a division, um, we'll still have a chance to win it. Um, you were talking about A&M in the East. I don't think two losses going to even be close in the Eastern division. Cause right now I just don't see A&M, you know, folding. Now I will say this, and we talked about it last night, you know, this type of play that A&M is going through right now, you know, winning 42 to 41, 49, 48, it's not sustainable. I mean, it's exciting. And I know Coach Maynard's taking it however way he can get it. But I think he knows in the back of his mind, because he's forgotten more football than we all know, at some point, your offense is going to run into a buzzsaw. And defensively, if you don't clean it up, it's going to come back and haunt you. So, I mean, I, I like what they do. I, I'm an offensive guy. I love football. I love a lot of offense. But at some point, you run to a buzzsaw. And, and defense, I don't know what game it could be, Jackson State. I don't know. But at some point, Glass and that offense is going to get slowed down just enough. And if they don't get off the field, they're going to lose a game that they probably shouldn't lose, whether it's Jackson State or the Magic City. So I'm, I'm concerned about a and in that in that regard. But I do think in the West, though, considering that Grambling's still trying to build their offense, we're just getting into the West. Two losses in the West – might get it done depending on how this how this thing shakes out. What's the saying? Defense wins championships. Yeah. And I think a lot of Southern alum right now would love to hear defense, Jags, defense, a lot, a lot. Because that's where they have to show the most improvement, but improvement overall. I, I think, Charles, in about two more weeks, I think the picture will become even clearer or will become clear where the team stand as you start getting into uh, conference play. And, and that's ultimately the number one goal. Yeah, you still want to win these non-conference games. Alcorn has done it against Northwestern State, um, UAPB, Prairie View, and Southern University. They have a chance to do it. Charles got about a minute and a half left. Closing comments for you on today's schedule. Um, just, just looking forward to seeing how the Braves come out, um, you know, against a, a good South Alabama team that beat USM and uh, won at the Horn last week. It's going to be a wet track. I think the rain will probably hold up, but it'll still be damp out here, uh, here in Mobile. I think we've had seven inches of rain here the last day or two. So it's going to be a soggy track. I'm just looking forward to, to getting into the meat of division play. You know, we've seen a lot of these non-conference games. I like this. I'm ready to get into the division play because that's what everybody's talking about. And, and we're slowly transitioning into that. I'd like to see our teams win. Of course, the Braves win. Southern beat McNeese and, and uh, Prairie View, Jackson. I think that Jackson ULM game is going to be a lot closer than people think. And if it stays close at the end, I think Jackson has a chance to beat Terry Bowden's team. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how these teams do out of conference. Go SWAC. Well, on that note, you're right. Go swag. Want to thank um, all the guests today. Perry White, co-host of Jaguar Journal, joining me in hour number one. Tom Hofer uh, of the McNeese State Radio Network. Brandon B.J. Jones of Inside HBCU Football. And 
last but not least, Charles Edmund of the Alcorn State Radio Network. Producer Roy Evans, the second strike, strike, strike. Appreciate you, Roy, and everyone who tuned in. Until next time, next Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively right here on the Black College Sports Network. Until that time, as always, peace and God bless. Thank you.